This podcast was recorded on June 10th, 2020. Hello, ladies and gentlemen and people outside the binary. This is Less Stupid with Thomas Huda, a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and unwilling right now to let the momentum die for these protests and this movement for racial justice. Uh, we're in a hell of a moment right now in American culture and in the whole world, frankly. And uh, I'm really grateful because uh, I had already wanted to get you on the show. And this is my friend, Julian Outlaw. Would you like to introduce yourself? How y'all doing? My name is Julian Outlaw. Thank you, Mr. Hewler, for having me on. You know what I'm saying? I've been, we've been trying to get this together for yeah. a minute. Yeah. Uh, my name is Julian Outlaw. I am from Houston, Texas. I represent Lame Ways Artistry. Lame yes. standing for living above most expectations. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Most importantly, living above my expectations. So I love that. Yeah. I'm glad to be out here in Oregon doing music and being able to work with and network with all these dope people out here spreading the movement around. So. I think one of the best things Oregon has going for it is good people. Good that's, people. That's for sure. That's yes. for sure. It's very yeah. friendly out here. Yeah. It's yeah. extremely friendly. Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes maybe even too friendly. That, that, that's it. I was <laughs> definitely <laughs> alluding that. Well, you can't see my smile, but it is, it is yo. Right, huge. right. People want to pry. People want to get in your business. Um, well, let's let's talk about the question I like to ask people out the gate, which is, what's a controversial opinion that you have about anything? Um, it's controversial only because when I bring it up, people act like they want to vomit. But uh, okay. I love bluegrass music, man. Wow. I love bluegrass and country. Uh, I think it's amazing. Like, that good old country, I'm talking about. Those songs that somebody got to dig up and then remaster and remake, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, the original, my wife ran off with my best friend and the dog ran off with him too. And all I got is my truck and then somebody <laughs> stole that outside the bar. Yeah. So, yeah. now all I got is my guitar, you know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> right the on. kind of stuff I like right there. I talked to uh, Doyle Canning, who ran for Congress right here, uh, about how hip-hop and because hip-hop is my favorite genre, and country, bluegrass, western, have a very similar character to them when they're talking about what their lifestyle and their struggle is like compared to the dominant culture, what's portrayed in the media. And it's often about loss and about hurt, but it's also about celebration. Uh, it's just an urban versus a rural kind of reflection of those things. And honestly, I say that all the time. Everything is the same. We do everything yes. the same way, man. I don't, I don't know any race, creed, or culture that if I offered you a mint julep and a spot on a nice porch with a fan on it, hmm. would you turn that down? I cannot think that I would. Okay. Frankly, I don't know what a julep is. Oh, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very southern, southern drink. You know, oh, okay. Southern cocktail. But, you know, Yum. Yeah, but uh, Yum. I, I'm going to say this as well. At the same token, if I'm kicking it with the boys and um, they offer me a, 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 a nice bush on the outside couch, you know what I'm saying, in front of the double wide, I'm not turning that down either, dude. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Just straight sure. up. I'm yes. chilling with the homies, and then somebody offers me a, a, a beer on, on the stoops of New York. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> oh, out in yes. Harlem, I'm not, I'm not denying that either. We yes. all do the same thing in the same ways, and we're more alike than we are different. And I really wish <laughs> we could see that because once we see – the positives of how we're so much alike, yeah. then we'll see that the negatives are so small. Sure. And then the negatives also affect us all the same way. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, absolutely, my friend. Well, um, it's so true. I've had the blessing of, through scholarships, being able to live in, I mean, I grew up in a, what would you call a suburban Eugene, although it's it's not a <laughs> suburb of anywhere. It's a suburb of a it's, valley. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I went to college in a small river town of 20,000 people, and then I went to grad school for a while in New York City. So I was just outside of Harlem. And honestly, um, and I could actually parlay this into a conversation about misconceptions about Harlem uh, and with my own Asian American family is uh, that I loved that community a lot. I was at Columbia University, which I was right in between this sort of ivory tower mentality of the Upper West Side and it's very sectioned off. It's a lot of the people who are, you know, they like to consider themselves inclusive or woke or liberal, but mm-hmm. some of the people who are out there lobbying for the NYPD to keep getting, you know, all the resources they do to protect their people, right? Um, but then on the north side of campus, I was right in there where they put the teachers at because the teachers are the people who are going to make the least money, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which basically bumped me right up against Harlem. And that's where I do my grocery shopping because I wasn't balling like that, you know? Facts. <laughs> yes. So um, I loved that community. Uh, and of course, it wasn't like I was a part of it, but I definitely, you know, being seven, eight minute walk from Apollo Theater. Um, you know, a 12 minute walk from Sylvia's, which is an amazing, iconic soul food restaurant. Appreciated that. And then when my mom came to visit New York, bless her heart, (laughs) she wouldn't come to Harlem. She just was, she was so caught up in the idea that that's not safe. I am not safe there. And I'm like, it's daylight (laughs) (laughs) and you're with me. And it's also just, this is like not an unsafe place to be. Man, shout out Uptown, man. Shout out Uptown. Yes, sir. So you've been you spent some time in the city, um, man. I got I got family in Brooklyn. Beautiful. I got family out there in Brooklyn. I used to go uh, every summer. I'm a bit of a thespian, you know what I'm saying? Nice. Uh, every summer since I think like it was like the fourth grade, I would go up to New York and visit my uncle Ben Harney, who was actually uh, on Broadway. He won a Tony as no shit. Uh, Curtis in Dreamgirls. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So I, I I don't know much about Dreamgirls. Would that be the character Eddie Murphy played on the on the in the movie? It's either Eddie Murphy or Jamie Foxx. I can't remember. Okay. It's the, the manager cat. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty. Yeah. Okay. Uh. But yeah, man. So then he he turned his life uh to God and was like, yo, I'm just gonna give instead of chasing all that Hollywood Broadway stuff. He actually had a children's show too, man. It was okay. great. Nice. But uh, he turned it around into an acting camp for kids. And so I would go up there and help him with that every summer and also participate. And that kind of helped a lot with my stage presence as well. And sure. Music as well, too. Sure. So I was up there off of Dean and Franklin. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Shout out Bed Style, Do or Die. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. So I much. It. It's, I really wish that people around here could experience more of what new, being in New York is like. Because it's a, it is a beast unlike any other place. It is a difficult place to make it on your own, notoriously, you know. And since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. anywhere. And that's a fact, man. That's yes. a fact. Yes. I remember <laughs> my cousin Jenny, who is also now currently on Broadway, and she just uh, she's having a child. She just got married. Congratulations, Miss Jenny. Nice. Um, and uh, she. Um, when we would go out, she'd be like, you country bumpkin. If you don't walk <laughs> faster and keep up with me, somebody's just going to oh. snatch you and I don't know what to do. I'm sitting here 
Wow. <laughs> Look at all the, oh, wow, it's so tall. It's so yes. pretty. And them, man, none of that over there. I remember no. one time I got lost with my cousin, Ben. Uh-oh. Ben Jr. And he And was, you're trying to navigate on Google Maps. That shit oh, ain't no, working. Dude, I'm, uh, Blue dots flying everywhere. I'm like 11 with my other cousin. Okay, right. <laughs> so, this so this is, is no phone, nothing like that. <laughs> we didn't have, you know... Well, everybody watching that might be young, dude. You don't get, when I was younger, you were younger, you yep. don't get a cell phone until you're like 16, 15, dude, mm. you know, until you really need it. Seems you know? healthy. It was. <laughs> but me and my cousin, we were like, yo, we lost Ben. What are we going to do? We're over here by all these bodegas and stuff. We've been seeing the street performers. I was like, yo, I got it. We've been doing all this acting and stuff like that. You took that stage combat class. Yo, we're going to stage fights and have people bet on us, and we just going to live on the street. It was like immediately like that. The sun was going <laughs> oh, down. We were like, we need to make a plan right now and execute. Oh, my God. But thankfully, Ben came around the block on his bike. I'm like, what the hell are y'all doing? Come on. <laughs> we, were like, we, were like, we, were making, we were plotting is what it's we were doing. It's New York energy, though, man. And the, you got people street performing everywhere to where it's a competitive hustle. This is, boy, and when people, you see the Spider-Men fighting each other, like, yeah, <laughs> this yeah, is my block. Square. <laughs> yep, Batman brushing up against you expecting money. <laughs> it's like, all right, I got a Latino Batman. Fuck yeah. <laughs> He's looking, you know, hella diversity. Spider-Man universe, yeah. Man, <laughs> that is one of the coolest parts. One of my best friends, his name's Brian, and he's, uh, he's, he's Mexican on his mother's side and his dad's white. And uh, he visited me out in New York, and there's two things. One, he was really grateful that as a mixed-race person, he kind of, like, in Oregon here in Lane County, he presents kind of Indian-looking, like kind of South Asian. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he constantly gets, what are you? What are you? And uh, he just loved that being in the city, nobody is ever going to fucking ask you that question because it's, it's a massive amount of diversity. I mean, you might get someone in Central Park who gives you shit or something. <laughs> But <laughs> dog on a leash. Oh my god! Oh man! What a terrible reflection of because that exists everywhere, you know. It's um. Well, I'm glad it's being exposed. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Um, because I'm gonna say, as a black man, especially growing up, dude. Especially, yeah. I went to a private, very affluent private high school in Houston, mm. and the microaggressions and the gaslighting that happens. <laughs> It makes you feel crazy. It's like... That's what it does. Dang, maybe I was doing something. Yeah, you're right. Maybe if I hadn't used that tone of voice, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not about to get back into slave mentality. I'm not oh, doing man. it anymore. A lot of people ask me why I got my hair so wild like this. Back in Houston, where I had the most pert afro. I was looking like Michael Jackson. Bro. I was <laughs> in there moonwalking From on From the everybody. 70s, yeah. Yes, sir. A, B, C... But uh, I did that basically, you know, I had this hair at first. At, um, I tried it out. Yeah. And I was looking for a new job, and I went to one of the most prestigious steakhouses in Houston, man. Wow. And that interview process took about six hours. Oh. I met with everybody, like from wow. manager on duty to assistant manager, manager, GM, all the way up, I'm watching sommeliers come in and they're tasting the meat to pair which which wine that they're gonna buy. I was like, "This is some hoity-toity highfalutin right yeah, here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "Yes, I'm gonna get this. Bread. I'm gonna get, get this tips." But at the end of every interview, they're like, "Dude, you're perfect. I'm about to go grab my other, um, my higher up." And then they look at me and they're like, 
how attached are you to your hair? Oh, yeah. I'm like, hey, man, look, bro, I I don't care. I need money right now. It'll grow back. I'm At that point, I'm just like, I'm selling myself to the system straight up. Like, I need money. That's how it money. happens, though, you know? And that's... Then, yeah, it, that's exactly how it happens, which was great. My last interview, uh, Young Cat, he was probably like 35. I did not expect him to be the GM because everybody got older until it got to him. And I was like, yo. Okay. Had a great interview. Got to talking about my music and stuff. He was like, yeah, man, I skate too. I'm from Cali, actually. I'm like this, that, and the third. Moved to Houston for the hospitality uh, industry. But, uh, dude, you'd be perfect here. I'm like, mm, but I can't hire you. I was like, why? He was like, dude, I've been working in the restaurant service industry for 22 years. And the day I got off of that Greyhound in Houston from California and I cut my hair, I have, I've missed it every day since. And I'm not going to be the guy wow. to tell you to cut your hair like that. Right. And I was like, right. that's trill as hell, but I'm still broke. But <laughs> thank you. Right, man. Yeah. To what point do we sacrifice ourselves and who we really are? Just to be able to make it in a world where your survival is dependent on that bread. And this is uh, two things. I was, I was going back and forth. I wanted to open it up light on the controversial okay. thing. But sure. this is what, what was really in my head. And I'm probably on record saying this somewhere a long time ago. Uh, I knew that Trump was going to win. And I hoped that Trump was going to win. Because I was like, all right, let's use appeasement. Give them everything. Let's see how it works. Mm. Now, on top of that, I don't want to say be divisive with this. You know what I'm saying? But Trump is not a presidential type person. Not at all. But he is a to the T representation of America. America. So all I so wanted. So much of America is, is striving to be his image. So I, it opened up a lot of people's eyes, a lot of. Uh, non-POC liberals that claim to be allies that... Well, so I mean, many think, tears think, and so much shock. You know, like... The country is like this? What? I had no idea. I live in, you know... And so now it's... Nice open, suburban yeah. Massachusetts. It's opening you know? people's eyes. That's done that. But then we got still people that are... I give them the gold medal in mental gymnastics. Y'all are holding on strong, man. But now we got the, you know, the economy was always a great excuse to ignore our... our human issues okay get these protesters out of the street people gotta get to work what are you doing now this coronavirus got yeah. the rat race stopped now sure. people are being people now it's yeah. being very hard for you to justify your racism in some gaslit kind of manner you know what i mean mm. and then on top of that it's also hard for you to make the point that you're too busy to care. You're there. You're seeing it. You're seeing it's right. not stopping anything. It's right. humans being out angry. And mm -hmm. then on top of that, you can see by the overwhelming influx around the world. I'm talking about people in Syria got George Floyd uh, murals. They're in the middle of a war. That was a beautiful image I saw. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That that's crazy. But Damn near nothing behind them, but big uh, fucking mural. A piece of a building that's uh -huh. been exploded. Exactly, exactly. Rubble on it on the ground, but they turned it into beautiful art that transcended and cro and crossed into my feet and your feet. Mm -hmm. And and I think humanity is having a chance to be human because uh, capitalism just kind of drives us away from that. And I'm the, my biggest example on that people that like to capitalists that like to say, well, capitalism drives. Uh, 
drives uh, innovation and competition. I'm yep. like, yeah, and things that make money. We got 1,800 uh, dick pills, but no cure for cancer or AIDS. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Just so now that we've got a got the time to step away from capitalism and our government actually took care of us and lo and behold democrats go under what administration trump gave us twelve hundred dollars so let's not start to be so staunch on either side and uh want to be right so bad to not see things for what they are and understand the nuances you know what i'm saying i agree with that i would feel like that bill yeah i'll let you go and then it also showed us that andrew yang wasn't as crazy as y'all wanted to make him to be (laughs) Damn so, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we did. You know, I kind of copied him with my little mayoral campaign that got second place but didn't come even close to winning. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Fist, air fist. Um, but because I wanted to have a ton of policies as a newcomer up on my site, like these are the things I'm going to do. Not only that, but um, eight part plans for education, mental health, business, housing, climate, art, history, and climate again. Mm-hmm. These are detailed plans, eight of them. And then now. What's popping right now? What's popular that people want to see in policies? The eight can't wait, <laughs> like policies that they say is going to reduce 72% of police violence. Mm. And then people who are maybe opposed to incrementalism and want to see more, let's take advantage of this of this disgustingly gross moment and all the sacrifices made and let's, let's do something bigger. Eight to abolition. Have you seen that one? No. That one is need, deserves more attention. AOC was highlighting it on a live today. I appreciated that. And basically their argument is 72% reduction in police violence is not enough. We need to take these practical steps to, in their view, abolish the prison system and the policing system so that we can have no police violence. So check that one out. Uh, definitely abolition.org, I believe, or .com. For sure. Right. So I'm not trying to brag too much, but... Do that. Do that. <laughs> Do that. I appreciate that. It's like, <laughs> and then when, uh, you know, COVID happened and, you know, Bernie and, and other people were calling for Medicare for all, it's like, reality is endorsing Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you know? I'm, is it, I'm going to say, I'm not even going to ask for permission. I am hurt by Bernie Sanders because I feel like he gave up on us twice. Mm. I mean, I mean, if you want it to be the guy that just gets the ball rolling and passes it to somebody else, don't run for the position of the guy. Okay. You know what I'm saying? If you're not going to see it all the way through. Okay. I don't know that I'm not He was a on record saying, I don't want to be looked at as Ralph Nader, who was seen as spoiling, uh, spoiling the Gore campaign, I believe, in 2000 to give us Bush. And it, it comes down to, well, you could say it's about strategizing and whether or not you know, he was going to be able to be viable against Biden when everybody coalesced around Biden. Yeah. Or you could say um, it's about ego. <laughs> it's about his legacy and not wanting to see Trump get reelected and then have, have it be on him. Have it be on him because he was Dude. already blamed for, for Did he pull a Mayweather dog. He was mm. like, yeah, I got my 50 wins. and I'm. Mm. Well, recently he was out basically saying he doesn't believe in defunding the police hardly at all and wants <sighs> wants the wants more money to go into you know, police reform. That's a big debate because if that, if what happens out of this, it would be the ultimate disgusting congressional, honestly, how they operate is they look at, you know, who was it? Rahm Emanuel was like, never let a good crisis go to waste. Mm. Take advantage of this opportunity to spend more money on the institutions that are 
making a drop in the bucket a dent in the issue and or so you know one of the arguments um against body cams well it makes more money go to the police department because they got to fund those body cams or uh sensitivity training that's more money going into the training you know mm -hmm. so well how do you feel because i wanted to ask you because i don't ever want to assume what a person's beliefs are about something as complicated as like policing in the u.s sean king has like a podcast you talk he talks about like when we talk about the criminal justice system we're not talking about one system we're talking about twenty thousand. Lane County sheriffs, you know, local city police departments, state police, the feds, you know, all, all different federal agencies, the FBI, the NSA. So what do you think about, I guess, in a more ideal world, let's say in 2030, we've been able to make changes to what's going on in the status quo. Where, where do you believe in urgently taking funds away from police departments and moving them into things like housing and health? Or what do you think are solutions? And I know you're you're a rapper. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't I don't assume rappers don't know shit. I assume rappers know what <laughs> I'm just you know? gonna say I've been asking this question, especially at twenty four years old, and I'm looking at a video of a dude that's like sixty and a dude that's thirty and they're looking at you like what the hell are you doing all this marching for? Like, I don't know. What what do you do? Y'all marching like, yeah, we did that. And now they're sitting there like, oh, Dude, we don't know how to fix this. I don't know what I don't know what it looks like because this I don't know what the proper thing would look like proper policing looks like in America because America wasn't built off of proper policing. No. The system not equality. Doesn't need to be fixed. It needs to be dismantled. The system isn't broken. It's working exactly, exactly the way it's supposed to. So, to that question, I would say uh we start locally. Like getting to know your city officials and the people that are running for office. You know what I'm saying? Getting to know their policies, electing those people, getting people, get, having special elected elections to get corrupt officials out of there. You know what I'm saying? And I want to say, like... They're all over. Yeah, and it's hard. And then, so basically, I'll, I'll, I'd say in terms of policing, whatever the answer is to fix gang violence, it's somewhere in there. Okay. But gang violence can be fixed by uh, fixing poverty and and mm. and inequality economic inequalities in neighborhoods what do people police got as much as much money as they want it's a culture of power tripping mofos man and you got to get those people out of there what when you talk about gang violence when you look at the way that schools are funded, you, you prop up a school based on the property taxes of the direct neighborhood around it. And then across the river, you got a neighborhood that's way three times more affluent. And they got all the extra school curriculars. They got all the technology. They got 10 sports teams. They got, they got 20 after school programs. And then these other kids, if you want to be in the chess club, that's about your only option. What are they going to do? What do you think they're going to do? You know? hang out after school and, you know, read books together in groups? No, no not at all. They're <laughs> going to figure out how to go make some money because they're living in poverty. There's those, you know, right. those places that have uh, low property taxes are mm -hmm. also going to be subject to uh, gentrification from banks and, mm. uh, you know, people, uh, property sharks. Not loaning. You, you know, know what I'm saying? And so now at that point, first you live in, your, your your teachers don't care because your teachers are underpaid and you're mm. stressed out and have to spend their own money on supplies and such. Yep. Uh, so now the and teachers, even the ones that care, they're totally tapped out. They're tapped out emotionally, 
You know what I'm saying? Financially. And then at that point, they stop caring. The kids aren't engaged because now the all the principal is worried about is standardized testing so that we can get more funding. Don't really teach these kids. Just teach them how to take a test. You know what I'm saying? Messed up. And so now kids aren't really learning anything. Yeah, you're bored. So now, yo, I'm going to figure out how to make money. Yep. I'm going to figure out, you know, how to be cool because I'm poor. Right. And I don't want to be. And my mom needs help. And we're about to lose our house. The other things, those other kids can focus on being kids. Mm-hmm. But and in that that like you said, there's no after school programs. I remember I was in a Lego robotics program, nice, and a fencing program. Wow! And then next year, gone. Oh shit! Just want to make sure we're still rolling, man. For sure. I was doing so much extracurricular stuff in school, but at a certain point, there's like basically only enough spots for you know it's a system that's set up to fail. When you know, let's say everybody did want to be involved in newspaper and yearbook and cross country well that wouldn't be a possibility Mm -hmm. you know so it's when we think about and you mentioned capitalism earlier you know ultimately am i more of a capitalist or a marxist socialist communist type person god i'll could we have something in the middle please you know (laughs) you know know, because um what what are unregulated and you know very corporatist level of capitalism we have right now is, is it accepts that we're going to have an underclass, like a permanent underclass that has basically no opportunities because that's the way that all the resources are getting funneled into the upper class. The way our systems work is a... Why should we be, we be resigned to that? It's a series of gates and gatekeepers. I had an English teacher, <laughs> English professor back at Houston Community College who actually met with Maya Angelou like two days before she died, when she passed in Houston. Wow. And we sat down and had a talk because I was slacking off and such. And he was like, son, you're right, Will. Everything you're doing is fine. But you want to know why I always give you bad grades? Because you need to be able to follow the rules. He was like, this class is English? Who needs to be be learning English in in higher education at this point? Mm. This is a gatekeeping class. Mm. If you don't know how to follow directions, then you you don't get to continue. You get put into... The consumer class. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they, that's just an easier way how, to separate who makes money and who spends it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I don't. Spends it and gets it from working off of, off of, off of, of being someone else's dream, mm-hmm. propping up somebody else's dream. And that's what I really encourage a lot of people during this pandemic time. And I hope you did since it's hopefully coming to a close soon. You picked up a sewing needle or. Um, learn how to tie flies or figured out you were good at farming something or figured out you were good at making lanyards or uh, <laughs> necklaces and sure. such. And you made an effort to start your own business with some of your stimulus check. Mm. Um, I hope even if you yep, didn't. Even if it's small. It, yeah. Because it always starts small. It's always small. Even if you didn't, I hope you realize that you have the, the power to do that. Mm. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, you know, I'm a big fan of hip hop and uh, two of the greats, in my opinion, are Nas and Tech 9 And uh, Nas made an album in 2012 called Hip Hop is Dead. Mm-hmm. And Tech 9 had a skit on an album where he basically said, I'm tired of hearing hip hop is dead. Hip hop ain't dead. When you look at these kids, even when he's talking about Soldier Boy at the time, he was like, I see kids doing something positive, coming out of dark circumstances and making money, doing something like music. Where's the motherfucking death in that? So I respect that you 
Um, I don't know how much money you're pulling in monthly or whatever on music, but it's it's. I am not dead and not yeah. homeless. So Look at that bicep, <laughs> that bicep. I can only count my blessings every every time. You know what I'm saying? Beautiful. And um, yeah, I'm I'm looking to continue. I mean, this pandemic things were starting to build up, and I'm not getting discouraged by this pandemic. I've been taking the time to plan and re-strategize on how I can be able to monetize my words, but Beautiful. also use that to help other people as well. You know of what course. I'm saying? So I love it. Well, maybe we'll get up on something at some point. But um, because you're from H-Town and uh, because you had been driving around showing love to Big Floyd, who, which is basically the rap name that George Floyd was using for a long time. I, listened, long I heard a freestyle that he did uh, over, uh, I think it was... Uh, a Leah beat or an Ashanti beat, I don't remember. It was from 1996. And uh, and so talk about what the slab challenge was, because it was S-L-A-B, and I don't know what it, what that even stands for, but you were driving right, around so bumping his shit. Let's go, let's go to school Unpack right quick. It. Let's go to school right quick. <laughs> All right. Yes. A man by the name of Robert Earl Davis Jr. from Smithville, Texas, son of a truck driver, ended up moving to Houston when he was a young boy. He had a very... <laughs> He was very fond of music, music of all genres, loved discovering new music. And then one day uh, he found a new technique to slow down the music on his uh, on his player. Nice. And uh, they, that, that's when, you know, when he started making mixtapes and when he used to make a mix that he didn't like, he used to take a screw and then put a screw through the tape so that nobody could ever hear it. Mm. So then what people started, his cousin started calling him, oh, what are you, DJ Screw? And it stuck. <laughs> He the the slowed down the chopped and screwed sound that you guys are probably familiar with in a lot of pop just pop music today. I sure. won't even say just common uh uh, uh mainstream or um, new age hip hop, but just all over music. When when you coming down and you hear music slow, all that kind of stuff. I feel like it's even got into fucking Miley Cyrus. It's all it's a, a it's, party. It's, we can do what we want. You know, that boom, that's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. And then he started a, a a movement of rappers from the South back in 1992, starting with Fat Pat. He was like the first Houston rapper of the contemporary era before, you know, like after Willie D and everybody and such. Ghetto Boys. Yeah. So um, the Fat Pat started doing it. Then other people from the other neighborhoods, other hustlers. Because now I'm about to get into what a slab is. These cars yes. that you see us riding down south, man. Now, a slab is an acronym for slow, loud, and banging. <laughs> you feel me? Because <laughs> when you pull up clean with some candy paint and you pop your trunk and show them neon lights and there's no room in your trunk, it's just speakers on yes. speakers on speakers. Yes. Now, this music and that car culture went one and the same. So... Back when I found out about George Floyd's death, um, it was right before I went on a camping trip. Mm. Came back, found out he was from Houston. Not mm. only was he from Houston, but he was from Third War, Houston, Texas, my neighborhood that I was raised in, wow. around the corner from University of Houston. Wow. And so that ate me up. Of course. I was like, "How this can't get any worse. Then it comes out that Big Floyd, George Floyd, was himself part of the screwed-up click movement since 1996, a.k.a. a building block 
of hip-hop culture in the South, in Texas, or just one of the most prolific hip-hop movements in the world. Mm. Go look at, if you guys go search up a DJ Screw video on uh, YouTube, anywhere, any of those songs, and scroll through the comments, you'll see much love from Russia, Bulgaria, much love from China, dude. It's worldwide, wow. and it's crazy because one of the one of DJ Screw's most iconic quotes is, "We're gonna get the world all screwed up." Mm. Even Lil Flip said that, and it's crazy coming Lil back Flip. to cover it. You know, it said, "Sunshine." You know, Lil Flip, Lil Kiki. You know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> but it's crazy coming back, and I'm like, "Oh my God!" Big Floyd really got the world all screwed up in 2020. His daughter wow. understands. She said, "My daddy changed, changed the world." The world. And she is not lying. It's so surreal. I'm about to cry right now, man. She, yeah. It's deep. So on Sunday, what we did is once I learned that information, it just kind of came to me. I was like, oh, right. snap. People are still worried about COVID and protesting and such. And then also the safety of being around people that might want to protest your protest, including the police. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, if we all do this properly... This can be the safest thing ever. We hop in our cars, just like we got, we call them slab lines where we're from down in Houston. Everybody usually sprays their car the same color, so it looks Shit. like a little mini parade. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So they get in a line, and then they just kind of make a parade down the street, through your street, through your boulevard, down the, down the freeway. And it's such a joy to see. Y'all should search up the it. Texas Relays. It's a, it's a great time, and it's all love, man. And it's a great culture that I'm so ecstatic about being able to spread especially over here to the pacific northwest and across the world so we just all made signs met up turned our music all the way up i'm talking about we played everything from country to prince you know what i'm saying because it's mm. all about love i'm called it a i want to make it like a worldwide drum circle you feel mm. me so play your music that you love but also you know just to throw some monetization towards the uh, Floyd family, you know, the George Floyd's family, you know, throw in some DJ screw tracks with Big Floyd on him. He's Hell about yeah. he's on about six or seven screw tapes. What I was like, Arr! yes. And, uh, and, you know, and, and there they, are ways to get that revenue going without donating. If you don't have your own funds, if you got to take care of whatever it is, bills and what you're behind on your shit, like like me, frankly, you can loop up loop up youtube and turn off ad block and just go yes just listen yes and also just listen to his voice man that's a you know beautiful voice just listen to listen to him speak listen to him you know flow listen to him putting in work on something that he loved you know what i mean uh something that he really turned his life around you know he put all that love into music and people like to bring up his prior convictions sure. i'm like bro houston back then was a trip mode mm. okay and um but you know he took that energy from that negativity and put it into the booth. And then he also, everybody likes to say, oh, man, you know, he was just getting his life together, changed his life around for the better. It had been five years since he'd had any kind of legal trouble. Any. And he was actually in Minneapolis. His daughter probably had a lot to do with that. A whole bunch. It does yeah. for a lot of cats. Yes. And uh, he, he was actually in Minneapolis uh on a job offer from a Christian ministry. Mm -hmm. So that that just ate me up for real. And for he was real. working for the homeless. He was doing work for the homeless. And that's why it's, I don't even want to say your first name, Owens. You hear it? And that's like one of the things that's so frustrating about that 17-minute rant that she did is that 
that everybody is chomping at the bit, not everybody, but there's a huge market for that kind of person to talk shit about someone in her own community who, and bring up all this kind of, all this kind of demon, demons out of the closet that are just not any kind of reason why this, this motherfucker deserved to be killed on the street for one thing. And also, you know, conveniently skipping over the fact that first of all, he wasn't, he wasn't a martyr like fighting for a cause. He was just a person piecing together a beautiful life. This is not about somebody who was trying to be a champion of a social justice cause, mm-hmm. even though he had great music and things he stood for were, were beautiful. But it's so disgusting because you know that there's people who are so ready to, to jump sell on. sell out. And um, I mean, another... I mean, there's money in it. There's money Tons in it, money and there's, in it. there's 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 pseudo acceptance by your oppressors. You know what I mean? Oh, good boy. Yeah, you're, you know you're not one. You're not like the others. You know. And here's a check. Also, just keep saying that stuff. Yeah. You know, one of the the sister of one of the biggest names in hip hop was also in that position. Hmm. You know what I'm talking? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure. Dame Dash's sister. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah, that'll let oh, you yes, know how yeah, weird it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I despise people with no spine and no heart Stacey, like that. Stacy, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I said her name. You did it. <laughs> don't, don't look her up. Don't bring one Google search to this person. It's not needed. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, that's just crazy. I was in Minneapolis the very day that Prince died. Ooh. Um, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, because I had just come up. I was in a grocery store. I went to college 45 minutes south of the Twin Cities, and that was hurtful, man. I, I pulled out my phone and it, and found out. And you know, one of the things though that I felt was beautiful, you know, death is inevitable, right? And mm. and it's challenging, and you hate to see people go early, and you hate to see people dealing with health issues. But um, when First Avenue, the venue in Minneapolis, such a beautiful venue. They someone spray painted the the Princess Star gold, and everybody brought tons of flowers out and laid it out like you couldn't get close to this thing because there was so many flowers and photos Damn. and things like that. And that's kind of what they did to George Floyd's the memorial outside of that Cup Foods place. Um, and so that's what that reminded me of. But it's a it's a disappointment to see that you know those kinds of images are beautiful and powerful, but the media. I don't think I would have known much about his his musical legacy if not for you. If not for you carrying that on social media and just communicating about that. And that's that's sad because that to me is a disrespect of hip hop. It's a demonstration that, oh, hip hop's not important. You know? That 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 doesn't get spoken about in the mainstream. You know, I appreciate I appreciate well, you know, I mean I'm a I'm a street journalist, you know. I'm the, I might be on it. the ground with it, you know, but I just just rhyme. I just rhyme my reports. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yep. I've made. I've made it my personal mission since I was a young kid to spread Houston culture no matter where I go. I always wanted to be down for H Town, man. All my friends were like, "Man, I'm gonna get me a Lamborghini. I'm gonna get me a Ferrari." Julian, <laughs> what kind of car you want? Man, I want a '77 L Dog on 84s. You know what I'm saying? Sitting low <laughs> in the back. You know what I mean? Beautiful. That's what I want. <laughs> They're yeah. like, you're weird, bro. <laughs> you're like, what? You sound like my uncle. <laughs> but I love it. I love where I come from. I love, I love that I can be proud of where I come from. Yeah. I love that I have culture in that. And I, and I love being from Houston and the fact that it's so diverse. It's kind of like the I same bet. thing as New York. You I know bet. what I'm saying? 
It's the like, fourth biggest city in the country. Mm-hmm. And we all, and and I think what's so unique about Houston, I think that the, in Texas just in general, that a lot of the rest of the country is fascinated with is that outside of color or nationality, we got Texas culture that holds all of yeah. us together. We got H-Town pride that holds all of us together. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, look at Johnny Dang. Johnny Dang is one of the biggest image figures in hip-hop okay. out of Houston, the Asian cat. Paul Wall, white dude, also in the same vein with the jewelry. You know yes. what I'm saying? And an H-Town legend. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, South Park Mexican, SPM. SPM. H-Town legend. H-Town. You know what I'm saying? And the biggest pop star in the world, Beyonce. And being also from Third Ward, Houston, Texas, wow. I went to the same elementary school as her. Wow, no way. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I got Tell to... me about it. Is it a good school? Or... Oh, yeah, Parker Elementary, man. Nice. Shout out to Anthony Maxey, the greatest band director in the world. Wow. I've never had a better one going from middle school to high school. I'd be like, man, you're not, y'all don't even know what y'all doing, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I stand by that. If you're watching Mr. Smith or Mr. Vote, Man, <laughs> there's so much nefarious shit going on with our school board right now. I'm so frustrated about it um, because the way I get to that in my head, because my head jumps around a lot. <laughs> I can dig it. I can dig it. Right. Um, is that, so I really, I want to be a teacher again. I was doing some gra- uh, grad school and student teaching for history, social studies, government. Um, but I kind of didn't finish that yet, but I'll see if I might finish it at some point. But my point is, I don't know how to read music. But I, I, I think that's my real calling is do something related to music education because think about how, I mean, I'm inspired to hear that that person had such an influence on you at a young age. I, I went to Eugene Gakuen Elementary. It's a Japanese immersion elementary. It's crazy because when I moved to Eugene, we moved into these silver something apartments, Spring Meadow apartments on Silver Lane, and uh, we had no idea that we were just a couple buildings down from the first publicly funded Japanese immersion elementary school in the wow. country, in the country. Wow. And so my mom was like, how are we going to get the Lisa and Thomas into learning Japanese? Well, you could throw a rock and hit the school, <laughs> you know, amazing. That's where, that's where I believe in God, you Hell know? Yeah. And so, but, um, that was a great school, but sadly, I mean, it's funny because that elementary school had a great reputation. Kids, from uh, parents and families from all around other parts of Eugene, because this is River Road, North Eugene. It's a mm-hmm. little economically suppressed area. Yes, it is. Um, would, uh, you know, kids from all around those wealthier areas, would the parents would send their kids there, and then once they hit fifth grade, bye-bye. I didn't see them, because we fed into Kelly Middle School. and Yeah, Kelly, and, and North Eugene is, comes from Kelly Middle School and Madison Middle School. And, uh, you know, I got great friends from there too, but it's just kind of sad because a lot of the people that I vibed with intellectually and friendship wise, you know, I didn't see them till years later. That's what I love about but we Houston. had a lot of music in the, in that, in that school. And so that was awesome. That's fuck, man. That's yeah. It was a, it was a music magnet school. So nice. I picked up a first, I picked up a violin and that didn't make enough noise for me. <laughs> so. I really wish I would have stuck with that boy. Every time one of my homies just busts out a violin, it's like a video game. Just women start spawning from out of nowhere. It's <laughs> just coming up to him. I'm like, yo, 
I messed up, bro. I messed up. I could have had it all. <laughs> That's funny. He's <laughs> just summoning women out of. Hey, if you're good, you know, <laughs> I, I'm attracted to that shit. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, I'm, I'm there, and I'm like, I'm here too. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, yep. Uh, then I I did the recorder thing, the hot cross buns, mm-hmm. for a year, and then I switched up and I played the trombone. I played trombone ever since the second grade. Wow. Then, All uh, the way through like high school and yeah. band and like uh, you play at football games and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That is a great instrument. Then I've switched well, over. One of the things I like about that with violin also is like anything that's fretless that you have to accurately be able to know where your pitches are at. That's a that's a that's a fun thing. It was yeah, you get to like you you make up your own little landmarks on the instrument and it's like yep. all right, past the king logo just about an inch. Yep. That's third. Uh fourth if I just hold my hand like an inch with the slide like that, that's mm-hmm. about fourth and then a little and if I hold it open like that, that's fifth. Extend all the way like that is sixth and I just got to get that shoulder lean for that seventh position you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's that's yes. pretty much like the, my markings on right. how i knew where to where to go on that it's beautiful then i tried to uh switch over to euphonium in high school uh baritone yeah and uh heavy played the tuba just for kicks because i got bored <laughs> and yeah nice well i miss it do you feel like having that training translates well into the musical things you've done lately most definitely because um (laughs) i don't know what's the way my brain works i'm bad at math in theory sure but it's taught terribly but yes it is definitely (laughs) taught to me very little with inspiration and like this is the language of the world and it's much more like Problem set, problem set, problem set. Did you get it right? No, it was like, like I, I mean, I got it right, but I still don't understand what I'm doing type thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. But um, I remember we had a, in elementary school, we had a parent-teacher conference with my math teacher, my band teacher, and <laughs> my, my mom. And I'm like, Julian's having problems with fractions. My band teacher looks at me like, dude, your first chair trombone. Yeah. How do you have problems? I'm like, I just don't get it, dude. I, don't, I just don't understand fractions. He was like, Julian, how many quarter notes are in a whole note? Four, dude. That's easy, dude. What are you talking about? And he's like breaking down all these complex, like different patterns in music. Beautiful. And then, <laughs> then she shows me a Six, fraction. Six, eight timing. Yeah. yeah. She shows me a fraction. I'm like, I don't know what the hell it is. Wow. <laughs> wow. Say <laughs> so sure. the algebra, whack. Ge- well, uh, geometry, amazing, bro. Well, <laughs> we can dig into this because this show is called Less Stupid, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> we can talk about the way that education doesn't always translate into inspiring what kids are interested in for sure. Like nowadays, do you have TikTok? How yeah. are you going to teach a kid to care about side angle side theorems and postulates when what's on their phone is 10 times more exciting than you could you can deliver yeah, to the ever. class? Yeah. So it's like, oh, you know, here's how we'll make it applicable and sound interesting. Word problems. A lot of kids hate word problems. A lot of kids hate words. You know? <laughs> a lot of kids like numbers and hate words and vice versa. You know what I mean? Right. We right. need more individualized teaching in smaller classes, man. Smaller classes is one smaller of the number classes. one. Would just fix that immediately. When I tell some people out here, I'm like, yeah, man, in middle school, before I went to private school, it was like 50, 55 deep per classroom. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, yeah, now that you think about it, how the hell did we fit Kids 55 desks? on the heater and shit on the side or whatever. Yo, you couldn't even... You couldn't even pay attention to the whole classroom some teachers would just give up and then going back to what i was talking about now kids that aren't supervised or being engaged 
I'm figuring out how to make money. I knew a girl that ran a salon in the back of the, the uh, classroom. <laughs> I'm like, smell, I'm like, what smell, burnt hair? What the hell is going on? Dude? Oh, she's my back there. word. She's getting it in, curling this girl's hair, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Plugged in by where the computer station is at, just back there. Mm. That's the hustle, man. That's innovative. Yeah, I saw candy. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I had a teacher try to bust me like I was Big Meech or something like that, man. Mm-hmm. It was my math teacher. It was my algebra teacher, too, wow. dude. Wow. She was like this tall. And like, she used to wear she used to wear the school uniform to try to like catch people cussing and stuff like that. You okay. know what I mean? Okay. She was one of those I love to wow. write people up type. Chick. Reminds me of Percy from Harry Potter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> terrible, <laughs> right. terrible lady, dude. But um, yeah, man, I used to sell the hell out of some candy, uh, learning some supply chain management. Me and my homeboy, there you, go. you know, breaking it down. Big airheads, right on. Five for a dollar, baby. You can't beat it. Do you remember what it was like for, do you have police in your schools? Yes, we did, man. Shout out to um, Officer Graveline Good. at Pershing. She was a real officer. I think she got taken off the street because somebody broke into her crib oh, and wow. like tried to shoot at her, shot the ground and the, uh, the bullet ricocheted and hit her in the knee. Wow. So she got put on like Houston Independent School District duty. Oh, but okay. She so from being in the general yeah. force. Okay. And, but the thing that she understood was that we weren't children at this age. Okay. There was a very mixed economic cuz like you know Houston High school? man, not nah, middle school. Middle school, okay. Uh but in Houston man, so this could be uh the hood and then this is like big mansions and stuff like that right, right. here. You just turn around the corner and you're in a couple of tax brackets up you know what i'm saying sure. yeah. so it was a lot of affluent kids going to the school as well as a lot of poor kids going to the school you know a lot of uh, first generation hispanic kids you know mm. what i'm saying um and it we blended we melded and we were we were on some we were on some shit out there man it was, <laughs> it was houston was being re- really real at that time okay also at the time we were dealing with uh a lot of clashing between people from New Orleans coming over from Katrina. Okay. And they got a wow. different attitude than we have. And that made it. a lot of butting heads. I believe But it. what she did, she understood that we weren't children to be coddled and stuff. She knows some of these kids are out here taking care of their own families already at this of point. Of course. And they really ain't got time for no pussy-ass uh, authority figure. So mm. when she came through... Little motherfucker, who told you you can step out of line like that? Boy, if you gonna get your ass back in the class, you know you're not supposed to be out here in six feet. I'm got sorry, it. Officer Graveline, you right. Got you, it, got you it. know, she was a mother. She was like, but like a real, she understood. She took the time to understand what we were going through. There you go. You know what I'm saying? She wow. always made sure I was good. Always waited with me until my mom got off work to come pick me up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cool lady. Cool mm-hmm. lady. Mm-hmm. Bro, wasn't afraid to break up fights. Mm-hmm. Cool lady. Wow. Yeah, no, actually reminds me of some of the people we had at uh, North Eugene High School when I was there. It was uh, They were kind of security people, I guess. We had one uh, police department woman for a while. Her name was Renee. Um, and, I, and I'm glad you had something positive to say because um, right now where I'm at with some of what's going on in 4J is they, they're, they're about to renew their contract with EPD. 
um, and or maybe not do that. But there's a lot of advocacy on both sides. Right now, I think it was estimated that, I don't know, I got this from a friend who I, I trust because she's a very committed 4J parent. Mm. But she uh, was basically saying there's like about, oh, actually, it's it's a petition, so it's easy to see what the numbers are. But there's like 2,000 people signed a thing saying, keep the cops in our schools. And then 1,700 people signed a petition saying, don't renew your contract with with EPD 4J. So um, one of the things that was crazy about that, though, is that um, I might get this a little wrong, but the 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 head public safety position in 4J, I don't remember what her title is, public safety officer or something. She oversees all of that, all of that. This they called SROs, school resource officers. Um, so those are people from EPD, right, that are in the schools and they're being overseen by a woman named Skinner who is the wife of Chris Skinner, who is the police chief for Eugene. And so are you telling me that's not a conflict of interest? So that's crazy, right? And so somebody sent a very respectful email to the to 4J, uh, and she posted it on Facebook. And if people want to see it, you know, get at me. I'll, I'll send you the link or screenshots because it was basically just like, hey, I'm very concerned, especially in the light of recent events, you know, EPD. She didn't even mention the tear gassing and the bean rounds that they're firing at these protesters in Eugene recently after mm. breaking curfew. Um, and uh, she said, in light of this, I'm very concerned. I hope that you will not renew your contract with EPD. Um, police officers do not prevent school shootings because more police officers are getting into the schools and the shootings aren't stopping. They're not it's, stopping at all. Et cetera. So then um, Mary Walston, who's the vice chair of the school board, she's been on the school board for a long time. She's got the same kind of, I would say, uppity attitude and you know, they'll put me on blast for this or whatever. I don't give a shit. No one's probably going to see this. Uh, as the rest of the board, it's mostly these these very um, uppity white women who are running the school board. And her response was so bitter so because to this woman. And she said, uh, because that one line where she said, this is a conflict of interest for this guy to be married to the to woman. You. Who, yeah. Right. right. And uh, so she says... I would appreciate, like, finally, um, please don't uh, vi vilify or, uh, you know, personally attack members of our school district. And that was her part of her response. It's like, this was like the most polite, obviously clear. And she said, she said, please show kindness and consideration and don't vilify or, uh, you know. Uh... So it's crazy because that's basically saying, hey, if you're going to point out our corruption, be really nice about it, please. Uh, Which she, she was already doing. She said, don't make my boot taste bad. <laughs> don't make my boot taste bad, dude. Man. So it's a Come mess. On. So I'm thinking about... For me, if I keep living in Eugene, which I love and I want to raise kids here and blah, 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 it's not a matter of if I run for school board at some point, it's when. Yes, sir. <laughs> I just that's don't what we know. Because that's one of the first entry points. And that's where it's, that's where it starts in terms of the prison, you know, the prison pipeline. Oh, man. So, yeah, to answer that, dude, like voting locally, changing things locally, especially starting with education, because mm -hmm. that's the easiest thing. Because the one thing I was going to make a point, I was like, well, EPD shouldn't get renewed unless they, I was like, hold up, let me stop that. Because HPD has their own uh, HISD department. They have their own, like, 
they're basically just truant officers. Okay. And all that is, and and if the EPD isn't already rounding up all these kids out here doing dope and hanging out in front of the library in front and uh, out in front of Walmart, you know, not right. doing nothing with their life, they're not rounding them up and putting them in some kind of program already or putting them back in school, then no, you don't need more police. Because all mm. that is is another revenue stream to start kids earlier into the uh, prison pipeline system. And I, won't, I don't want that. And it teaches kids... And, you know, some people are not going to like this, but you're teaching kids that safety and security is something you got to credit the police for. How are you going to tell that to kids from communities of color that go out into the real world and have this huge cognitive dissonance of experiencing that those neighborhoods are over-policed? So, of course, they're going to have higher rates of crime. White perpetrators are undercharged. So, of course, they're going to have lower rates of crime, you know, and it, t- and it puts that feeling on them like, you know. Uh, it's something wrong with my community. <laughs> so it's not always a situation where we know what the exact answers are, but what I appreciate about Minneapolis uh, city council, do you hear they're going to disband, dis- disband the police, yeah. police department is they're doing it in a way where they're reaching out to the most affected community members. And, and honestly, community members from all stripes to be able to work out what is safety going to look like for us now. We need police departments are descended from slave catchers. That's and that's it. That's the, basically the point. I'm like, yo, we can't fix a system that's working so properly on hate and, and oppression. You know what I'm saying? We need to start over. We need to, like I'm saying, like whatever cops try to do with gangs. Okay, now I'm thinking about it. Now I'm thinking about it. They try to take out the head. That does nothing but create a power vacuum and and structural. Mm. Hey, I know they tried to get rid of the chief like this, but I'm going to make sure we can still plant drugs and do all this. Just vote for me on the next upcoming thing. Don't even worry about it, man. We're not going to let them take over this department. Mm. Same thing in gangs and gangbanging stuff. Hey, bro, I I don't know what they talking about, but I'm going to put it on the same way Big Dez put it on, just like that. Ain't no changes. Ain't going to be no peace around here. Like what happened to like the Vice Lords and and the Black Peace Stones back in the day. Once they all started turning into something positive and creating community centers. And yes, of course, there was some still criminal activity going on. Right. Well, but change is slow. And there's always going to be detractors. But once they found an excuse to be able to shut down that positivity and put Jeff Ward behind bars and, and uh, Hoover behind bars forever, then it came, it went straight back to violence. See, told you, I told you all that uh, goody two shoe stuff wouldn't work. And it's been, I think we've actively been quelled from succeeding on that so i don't want to say we take it out from the top like with the chief of police yes we elect a better chief of police that is more representative of their community but people should have a say exactly i think we need to get rid of just everybody slowly a slow disassemble of different precincts and rehiring and retrain them before they rehire they look at the training because the training of police everywhere that whole knee in the neck thing isn't apparently taught taught but it's taught i mean you how know? else are you gonna have three other officers standing around and not immediately telling that dude what are you doing he's motionless so like and that's and that de-escalation training that needs to work with other officers too because and that's but at, for the time being until we get rid of all those ego tripping bad apples because that could have even got worse if the if two police officers started fighting now a homeboy that started the fight he's gonna have his career ruined you right. know what I'm saying the, but I'm thinking of so many ways homie standing next to him could have been like 
hey, man, yeah, 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 man, that, that's enough. We can still hold our power structure because we like to flex nuts on citizens. But don't kill this dude, bro. You about to kill this man. Like, chill, right. chill. And I think from the perspective of an Asian American that obviously Tao Tao was a among American cop who was on the force for a long time. He should have been able to intervene, was one of the ones most protecting Derek Chauvin. And also the the um, store clerk who called the cops in the first place was a uh, was an Arab American. I don't want to blame the store clerk anyway right. because sure. a lot of fake money goes but around. I've had I've had fake money too, but and I've been told at some jobs I'm like, yo, we call it in. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, right. But for me, what I think of, and I actually don't know that much, so my, I be, might be extrapolating a little too much here, but is that. Um, so a lot of com- businesses obviously hit really hard with COVID. Asian, the Asian businesses were hit especially hard because of all this BS rumors and shit that they <laughs> everybody's got coronavirus. Um, and when we're in a system where everybody's fighting for crumbs, that shit's gonna happen. You know, yeah. people are gonna people are gonna take it out on one another. And I want to see more coming together, coming together. Frankly, as corny as it sounds, but we've never had. And I, I'm, you know, I, I try to start with my own what's around me closest to me my family and it's been a struggle because like i said you know my mom not not <laughs> believing i mean she's got she's had racist views for a long time and uh she's a server and so uh at, at a sushi restaurant it's kind of a nice restaurant and she's always mad she's like black people don't tip thomas black people don't tip they have an attitude I'm like mom don't bring that shit here like <laughs> hey, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say this black people Usually these days, overtip. I overtip because Beautiful. we know we have that stereotype. But when you approach us with that attitude, oh, I got these niggas in my What can oh, I get you yeah. guys? You can read it. What can I get you guys? I'm like, well, you, I, I, if you, you can gave get me up this, on it already. You're not getting no tip. I can right. tell you that much. Right. If they gave up on you already from the rip, what and the hell am I supposed to, to give you money for ser- for terrible service for? Exactly. Because exactly. of your prejudice and how you want to treat me, but how, how you assume. The outcome might come before you even interact with me. And my uh, AFAM history professor, Harry Williams, who I love, uh, posted a video. I don't remember the historical details much because we, we see a lot of shit on social media. You can't internalize all that stuff, especially when you're not sleeping enough. <laughs> but there's a racist origins to tipping in this country, too. But I don't know exactly what they are. I don't remember. Well, that's something we should explore uh, right. for sure. Right. Um, yeah, man. So much. You know what's been frustrating me? Because I try to bring in current events, is uh, have you heard any about anything about J.K. Rowling recently? Yeah, I canceled her a long time ago. <laughs> She's been on trip mode. Exactly. Yeah, y'all should have exactly. known when, the, when, the, when she was when this chick was telling everybody she wrote uh, Harry Potter on bar napkins, bro. Come on, doc. <laughs> Come on, doc. That's right. beyond. That's a little bit more than eccentric. <laughs> that's like Van Gogh crazy, bro. We, I'm good on it. It's it's funny, like. So she goes off uh, and she gets all offended at an article who that was um, talking about uh, how to build a safer world during COVID-19 for people who menstruate. And she was like, people who menstruate, there used to be a, whim- a word for that. Wombud, wimpud. Was it w-? And so she's like so offended at this thing that, by the way, is an article mostly about, uh, appeared to me to be about like, because obviously it is a disease that oh sorry about that no, okay. we'll, we'll wrap up here shortly anyway, oh, your, your mask is falling off I'm trying to narrate for the audio people no, my um, mask fell off. and uh, but the mic is sanitized anyway yes, so sir, you're, you're good <sighs> and uh, I don't know we don't need to get into it too no, much yeah, it's we just do. frustrating yeah because yeah, yeah, then 
all these people are disappointed and she's like individually bullying occasionally like people who are like tweeting at her just like why do you do this why are you so upset uh because she's really views like trans women as a threat to women you know as uh, <laughs> it's like she's like she's like biological sex is real and it's just like boogeymaning the shit out of i would love to hear about the last time jk rowling had some biological sex <laughs> i think she just hating bro that's all it is nobody jk rowling nobody's fucking you okay stop taking that out on the world it's I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on I'm with that a, person. I'm a, I'm a hold I won't speculate right that, but hey, I'll give you a platform to speculate that. <laughs> and uh, you got Daniel Radcliffe having to come out here and post a like, little blog post on the Trevor Project and be like, yo, please, if if you believe characters in the, in in this are trans or gay or non-binary, like, please don't let these comments hurt you, your, yeah, your experience of these books. Um, and so she just did some long ass post today and I don't even want to look at it, man. Uh, it's <laughs> I not worth it to, to look at, man. Right. I don't, cause I mean, people showing their true colors already. Like, I mean, she already did like people of color and Asian people dirty in the book. Big dirty, man. Yeah. And you know who I'm not giving another chance? And I can't wait for football to start. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Drew Brees, boy. You're going to finally be... Ooh. Man, You David, meant that shit, dog. Yo, he meant all of that. And I don't... Yep. Not, nothing he can... Bro, David Carr will finally get his sack record broken. <laughs> because he's Coming about to you. get lit... Lit up. Up. Ooh. I hope you quell that locker room with your offensive line, man. Because there's a lot of black boys on that offensive line. Right. So... Right. <laughs> And we'll uh, see how that goes. It's funny too because I see like uh, these dyed in the wool conservatives who are mad at him for for We're backing down for yeah. apologizing. So it's like, yeah, dude, you fucked you over everybody's every side. Every side. Yeah, no one's happy with you, dude. Um, and New Orleans with that too. That is so stupid. I know exactly. <laughs> so what are you stupid. doing? He's been like there in the community for so long. <laughs> can't you can't imagine how long he's been holding these racist views? In, you know, in New Orleans, like, oh my god, I'm. Kneeling sick. is such a disrespect. I'd have, I'd be sick if I had a black and gold number nine hanging up in my closet, dude. Right. I would be sick. I'd be like, dude, are you kidding me? Right. But it's, it's. I guess to be a little optimistic. I mean, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, apologized. It's a little too little, too late. But me, to be like, I, yeah, we didn't do Kaepernick so kindly. It's like, yeah, dude. You think? Yeah. <laughs> No, but no, that's not even enough because they never mentioned Kaepernick's name. Right, that's true. He didn't do that either. I'm I'm sitting there. I'm just like, dude, what? I laughed at first, and then I was pissed. Right. And But I'm like, at least we're getting some. But also, it's not getting anywhere. It's because right now, the worst thing to do is be uh, corporately is to be all Blue Lives Matter and all support the military like last time, like right. the NFL did last time. You right. You feel me? This time, it's like, dude, if we put in anything that's military-based or all lives matter, we're losing every sponsorship, any advertising, all of that. Right. So, yeah, we should go ahead and apologize now. A lot of these corporations are just so bent to the will of the wind and where the, where the culture is going. You like, know? We don't have to believe it, but we do need to say it publicly. You know? <laughs> so. Exactly. Brand management. Brand management, which uh, who else is, who's doing an amazing job of brand management just on the economic side. I'm learning a lot. Vince McMahon is a hell of a capitalist. Sure. 
Um, you know the, the, the WWE guy. Yeah, he uh, started up the XFL league again, and then oh. they just had to uh, end because of coronavirus, and it was going smoothly. Okay. Now what he did is he uh, he, he 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 filed for Chapter Eleven for the company to bankrupt it. Mm-hmm. But what that does is, including all the assets of the company, it puts him at the top of the list to be able to buy back the XFL minus what the investors put in so he can have 100% ownership. Damn. Yeah, because now it's devalued from what it was when it was doing great. Right. So he bankrupts himself, wow. but then he can't do the league anymore, so the value is plummeting. Bankrupt, boom, buy my company. Savvy. Big finesse. <laughs> yeah, man. So I'm, you know, I'm watching that. It's funny. I'm uh, almost 20 episodes deep in this. And uh, since I started at episode 151, we could talk about that another time. <laughs> but um, I haven't talked to many people about sports very much, but I grew up loving sports. And I want to ask you who um, who some of your athletic heroes are. Right off the bat, Vince Carter. Wow. Right off the bat, Vince wow, Carter. Wow, man. man. He put in great years for Toronto and New Jersey. And pretty and, and everywhere. A <laughs> couple other like journeyman years there where he's like, oh, Vince made the three. Let's yeah. go. It's just like the old days. Just, oh, my God. I used he to had hate the commentary. some legendary dunk contests. Yo, I, arm I, in the rim. Between the legs, the most. Oh, my God. I, yes. I hate the commentary that they did on him when, in his twilight years, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> he would do like a, he would mash some shit. Oh, my God. Showing a little bit of his old self, yeah. There, you know, you, yeah, you yeah. never see that from him anymore. They did you that know? to Kobe too. I saw Kobe on Jimmy Kimmel reading uh, tweets about him, and he was like, "Remember when Kobe used to dunk and it wasn't a big deal? <laughs> 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 now every time he dunks, it's a big deal." Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to Mamba Man and his daughter and everybody on that helicopter. Man, I gotta, I gotta. Basketball hero who has even more attitude than Vince, though. Rasheed Wallace. Rasheed, Rasheed, the Sheed, bro. Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie, baby. Man, one of the best teammates was always looking out for guys, taking them under his wing. He would, he would, for for times when he was injured and he would have to sit out, he wouldn't be in street clothes or in business attire. He'd be in full unis. Full game. Yep. Ready. Yep. On, right there up? on the bench. Solidarity. Yeah. That's what it's about. But those bad those boy days. Pistons man, teams were. I missed up, man. Chauncey o- Billups, o- three, Rip Hamilton, <sighs> Larry Brown as the coach, Tayshawn Prince running down on Reggie Miller. I was. I, Get back on the mic. The angle on that when he's just soaring in the Get air out of nowhere. Boom! Sends that to the stands. LeBron dude. got that from oh him. The chase God. down block. Yo, oh my God, that was such a Beautiful. crazy play. Oh my goodness. Amazing. That was a great series, man. Yep. And the game that Garen, he guaranteed, he was like, we're going to win game two. I believe it was game two. Rashid's all about it, man. Man, dude. <laughs> oh man, basketball back there was great, dude. And there was some ref too that uh used to fucking hate Sheed, and it turns out that ref was betting, betting on the- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sheed he, he- Sheed rightfully was was giving him shit for making BS calls to enrich his own pocket. They knew. Crazy. NBA knows, bro. Crazy. The NBA knows. Yeah. My other inspiration in basketball has gotta be um I just put these two in the same. I hate to put them in the same category like that, but they were always my favorite. Hmm. Uh, Spud Webb and Muggsy Bogues, man. Oh man! When I learned about Muggsy Bogues and Space Jam, I was like, "Yeah, that's 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 me right there." <laughs> <laughs> Five foot three, 
140 pounds. First off, I'm 5'8", five, 5'9", five, 140. Okay. The man is jacked. Yes. You know what I'm yes. And uh, he played 14 years in the NBA, dog. Wow. That's long for a, for for a baller. For, for any yeah. baller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But exactly. It, the fact that you're 5'3 and can still be useful and coming off the bench, like he was a – I think he was a starting point guard for the Raptors when sure. uh, Carter got there. Sure. Um, Spud Webb. Those dunks, I was like, yo, once I saw him, I was like, I can do anything. Crazy. I can do anything in my life. No size, yes. height, nothing. I can do whatever. I love it. You know, so those yep. are my inspirations right there. Vince Beautiful. Carter with the perseverance to never give up. You know what I'm yep. saying? He's still here. Yep. Just as of last week, officially, his last season, his, his career is over. Right. Unless okay. he decides to be like, yeah, I think I got a couple more games. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see uh, two years ago-ish, almost two years ago now, uh, in Chicago, the Heat and the Bulls, and it was Dwayne Wade's last game. Oh, what? At late, last game in Chicago, uh-huh. where he played for a little bit. And man, he had, like, he's got his, like, little baseline turnaround fucking fadeaway, mm-hmm. and I got to see it, like, twice, and I was like, that is so vintage. That's cool. As yeah, cool, man. man. And he's a great person. And has been really supportive of his transgender daughter too, and uh, beautiful to see in the league. Yeah, it's it's great to see. Yep, it's great to see, man. Right on. Do you want to let people know how to get at you, or anything else you want to like promote or talk about? I know you might be hosting karaoke, or is that done? Oh yeah. Well, no, we're gonna get this started as soon as we can out here mm-hmm. in Eugene, over at the O Bar. Yes. Um, we're on. Duck Village area. Uh, Duck Village area, yeah. Uh, on Tuesdays, every Tuesday, we'll be doing hip-hop karaoke. It's free entry. We have drink specials. Sick. Come through, have a great time. It's not hip-hop exclusive, but we do have the catalog, you feel me? And this guy's worth a follow on Instagram. Uh, Julian underscore outlaw? At Julian outlaw, all one word. My bad. You know, at, at Julian outlaw everywhere. That's the best way to find me. Yep. Um, Lame Ways Artistry on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to be yes. dropping a series since we've been, to, um, you know, I've been heavily inspired by Dr. Sabi and Nipsey Hussle ever since Beautiful. their passings. And uh, I've been more so on the uh, the holistic tip, man. Uh, I've got a produce cart that I'm going to, a locally sourced produce cart I'm going to be running once I get back up to Portland. Um, but down here, I'm... Entrepreneurship. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to... Real. I, I'm trying to show, I'm trying to find as many ways as I can get it so I can show other people that there's other ways to get it. You yes. know what I'm saying? But uh, I'm, I'm going to be dropping a video series, and I'm going to need some help naming it. So cool. once I drop it, y'all get in the comments. But I'm going to be going from seed to table as a 24-year-old rapper. I'm showing you my journey Come planting on, and growing planting, growing, and cooking and eating my own food. And you should be able to do that too. So, Well, Eugene and Springfield, this area is glad to have you. But I can't let you get away without answering my final question. Uh-oh. Interpret it however you want. What's one way we could all be a little less stupid? Listen. Yep. That's it. Listen. Um, don't let your ego or your pride end up making you look stupid because <laughs> this is the truth. What you see is, the, is my palm, right? But I see the back of my hand. So if I say, what is this? Right. And you say, bro, that's your palm. I'm like, yep. no, it's not, fool. It's the back of my hand. What's wrong with you? Now we both look stupid as fuck. <laughs> Looking at the exact same exact thing. Exact same thing. And that's what I want people to look at, especially during 
this pandemic and then with all the injustices that we're uncovering, some people are just now uncovering and starting to realize we're not against each other. We're all humans. And if we want to understand it, I mean, shoot, I'm going to take a play out of the uh, all, of, all of my Trumpers books, man. You know what I'm saying? The government is trying to take our rights away, man. All of ours. It's not specific to anybody. We're all getting it somehow, some way. So let's be active in holding our government accountable and coming together to make sure that we have a better America. So we have an America left. You feel me? So Man, it's been such a great chat. Maybe we'll do it again sometime, man. You got you're such a such a natural on conversations and on the mic. I appreciate brilliant, it. Brilliant, brilliant young gentleman. Uh before I go, I just want to leave you all with uh, my moniker and what I represent. That's Laneway's artistry, like I said before, and that's living above most expectations, but most importantly, living above my expectations. If you wake up in the morning with air in your lungs, that means that there's nobody else on the earth that can do what you can. You are important and you're integral. This earth is better with you on it than with you out it. You know what I'm saying? So make sure you understand that can't nobody be a better you than you and vice versa. You feel me? So just do that. Thunder tape coming soon. Dropping a video this week and a new album this summer. So. I'm dropping a project sometime soon, too. Oh, Hell stop. yeah. Oh, All right. I can't say it better than that. So you take care, everybody. Peace. Peace.